All I had was the hope that I had learned about previously at church and the hope that there's forgiveness. I was baptized in the Catholic Church. I went to Sunday school. We went to church every Sunday. No matter how tired we were, we went to church every Sunday. But it was church, and then there was not much talked about after church or during the week. I didn't really know the Bible stories or anything like that. So I would say I was in the church, but not following Christ. And then in high school, I was part of a youth group Type thing and through that youth group I served and I thought I was connected and I thought I was becoming a Christian I thought I had accepted Jesus into my heart but I was still I was not like living like a Christian I was looking for acceptance and I was looking for love in places that I shouldn't have been I wanted to feel beautiful and good enough I always wanted to feel good enough for somebody no matter what and so that was kind of in high school and it definitely followed me to college where I started drinking heavily and getting involved with activities I shouldn't have been. But I was still doing the church stuff. So I was leading um, middle school girls, small group. I was leading worship for the college ministry. I was plugged into all this church stuff, but then it's like I had this like secret side life where I was still searching for Purpose. I still needed people to tell me that I was loved and it didn't matter the cost. I was willing to make whatever poor choice it was in order to feel that way even if it was for five minutes and then feel crappy. And my husband, now husband, boyfriend at the time, authentically loved me for me. I didn't have to be anything other than myself. And so we were together for about a year when it just wasn't enough. My addictive mindset went back to what I had been doing before and I went searching for something more. I was selfish and I was lost. And so for about five years that pattern continued and he just continued to love me. And in 2019 we got married and everything was great until it all came crashing down and all my secret life was exposed and I was in the darkest part of my life and now I was really searching for something because I had nothing and he stayed at our house and I went and stayed with my parents and my mom and I were driving to Walmart and the song Rescue by Lauren Daigle came on the radio and it hit me like a ton of bricks when it said I'll send out an army to rescue you in the middle of the darkest time. And I think the song hit me as the only thing left is Jesus. The only thing left is God. That's the only thing I can grasp onto right now because I had nothing. All I had was the hope that I had learned about previously at church and the hope that there's forgiveness. Moving forward, I started going to church with my parents and just really reflecting on my life and how I wanted to live it in the coming time. And during that time, my husband had to leave to go be with his brother from a medical issue. 
And while he was in the hospital, he opened the drawer and found the prayer Bible. He'd never really even opened a Bible in his life. And he called me and said, we were going to work on this together and move forward together. That next Sunday, we decided to come to Church at Grace. And that Sunday was the Sunday that they were launching pilot groups. And so we were like, well, what, what do we have to lose? It was a tough decision, but we came to the pilot group and we showed up and we sat at the table and started sharing testimonies. And one of the other people volunteered to go first and their testimony was identical to what we were going through literally at that moment in time. After that hour and a half, we went back and got in the car and looked at each other and we're like, what are the odds of what we're going through and sitting down at this church thing that neither of us really thought we wanted to go to with these people we don't know, what are the odds of it being the exact same? And in that moment, we just decided this is where we're meant to be. And in the last year and a half since Coming to the first pilot group, we started coming to Grace regularly. We continued meeting in community group with the people we met through the pilot group and they've become like mentors to us. We have changed our relationship to a, a Christ-centered relationship where we feel our relationship has more of a purpose. We feel that our story is nothing but a work of God and sitting at church just in awe of how much God had done in our relationship and taken something so tragic and moved it to something so beautiful. And we were expecting a baby and, and she's here and, and we can't wait to raise her in a home that's Christ-centered. Bringing her to church, sharing the gospel with her, things that God has shown us and taught us as he's healed our relationship and shown forgiveness in our lives and teaching her those things as she grows. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's word? Our passage this morning is from the gospel of John chapter 20 verses 1 through 18. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed." For as yet, they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. 
And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. This is God's word for us today. You may be seated. Good morning and welcome. My name is Jason, one of the pastors here at Grace. Specifically, I am the staff pastor at our downtown congregation. It's an honor to be here and open God's word with you today. As Zach just read, we are in John chapter 20. We are continuing our series, as you see on the screen, called Searching for Answers, Encountering Jesus, where we are reading about real historical people and their true encounters with Jesus. Our prayer for you this morning is not that you would just learn something about what some folks experienced 2,000 years ago in their encounter with Jesus, but that you would have an encounter with Jesus as well. You heard in Grace's testimony in the video, and you heard in some of Zach's readings, the word hope. We place hope in a lot of things. And whether it's religious activities like Grace mentioned on the video, Or if it's hope in our circumstances, we say we hope in a lot of things. I'll never forget in March of 2020, um, my wife asking me, how long do you think this pandemic is going to affect our lives? And I said, I would hope it would just be a couple of weeks. (laughs) Clearly, I was wrong. And this illustrates that often we put our hope in things, but they end up disappointing. Either they don't come to pass or they do come to pass, and then they disappoint us. They don't give everything that they promised or that we had hoped for. Our prayer is this morning that we would find our hope in the fact of the resurrection of Jesus and that you would have an encounter with him today. Would you pray with me to that end? Heavenly Father, thank you that you have spoken to us through your word and your spirit and your people, and we would ask that you would speak now. God, I pray that you would open up our hearts to the things of you. I pray that we would set aside the other things we have put our hope in. God, I pray that you would redeem us and redeem our past, our future, change our daily life because of what you have done for us, Jesus. We believe that that's what your word says. And so we pray that we would experience it more today. God, I pray that you would take my words and use them for something more profound or more wise than I could. God, you know the name of each person here, and I pray that you would speak to each one by name here today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Do you ever lack hope? 
because of your disappointments that have come with the things you have hoped in, have you gotten to a place where you no longer hope? Maybe it's a low level of anxiety. Maybe it's full on depression or even dread for the future because your hopes have not been realized. I believe we even instinctively know that we should place some measure of hope in God and have faith in God, but he often seems distant and what we think a relationship with him looks like seems very abstract and disappointing. That's what Grace experienced in the video and that's what we experience far too often. We often place our hope in things and then never attain them, so never receive the benefits that they hope to provide for us, or we do receive them and find that they don't give us what we thought they would. Often it's at these times we think that it's the the lack of our faith or the smallness of our faith. Some would even say that we didn't have enough hope or enough faith. But instead, we'll see in scripture today that what God has for us is to put our hope, not in all these circumstances, not in hope in religious activities, but hope in Christ, hope in the resurrection. People that lived with Jesus had hope in him and a relationship with him as well. His family, his followers, those he healed and redeemed and saved and brought back from the dead, they had hope that Jesus was the Messiah, the promised redeemer and deliverer of Israel, that he would deliver them from his oppressors, deliver them from their earthly enemies. They had great hope in him. He had blown away their expectations of what a human or even what God could do. And then he died. If we look in John 19, the verses leading up to our passage this morning, we read starting in verse 40. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden and in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. He physically died a brutal death and then was laid in a tomb. In the gospel of Luke chapter 24, we read about two people on the road to Emmaus and the encounter that they have with the resurrected Christ, even though they don't know it's him as of yet, similar to what Mary experiences today in John 20, but they have this encounter with Jesus after his resurrection. And he says, who are you looking for? Who was this Jesus? And they say, we had hoped that he would be the one to redeem Israel. They had hoped Jesus would deliver them. They had hoped Jesus would change their lives. They had hoped that Jesus would be an earthly king. And yet he died. And just like they, there are many things in our lives we had hoped would happen, yet they have not come to pass or disappointed when they do. Open up with me, John chapter 20. Uh, Zach read it for us this morning, but we'll just do a little bit of summary here of what we have read and what is taking place here. 
So we read in 20 verse 1, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she goes into the tomb and sees the burial cloths, and Jesus is not there. They are probably Mary and these two other disciples. They are going to the tomb for a couple of reasons, possibly to continue to grieve the death of their friend and the one they had placed their hope in. Also, they may have been going back, we learn from the other gospel accounts, to possibly continue to anoint Jesus's body with the spices and the oils. They could be going back to do that, but they come back. And Mary's response in verse 2 is, they have taken my Lord. And then she reiterates it when Jesus appears to her and she doesn't know it's Jesus yet. They have taken my Lord. Mary's assumption is that the Romans or someone, that Jewish authority, somebody had moved Jesus's body away from the tomb. In fact, the commentators agree that there is no biblical record of anyone expecting that Jesus would actually rise from the dead. Even though he said he would, even though the scriptures foretold, those that knew Jesus, those that were friends of Jesus or family of Jesus or who had been delivered by Jesus, they did not expect Jesus to rise from the, the dead. So Mary assumes that someone has moved his body. They have taken my Lord. We read in verses three and four, she's not alone, that Peter and John come to the tomb as well. This is the gospel of John. In the gospel of John, John refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. In this account, we see something in verse four. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Did you catch that? It's not important, but it is funny. John points out, Peter and I both ran to the tomb, but I got there before Peter. And then in in verse 8, he reiterates the other disciple who had reached the tomb first. What we can take from this is John is faster than Peter. It's a very important point. And also John is writing the story. If I would have wrote this story, I would have said I won too, even if I hadn't. This is a comic relief for us this morning, but it's also a good reminder that humans wrote the Bible as carried along by the Holy Spirit. And they add in these little details to remind us that it was written by human hands. So Peter and John and Mary look and they see that Jesus' body is not there. And then it says that the disciples finally come to a place of believing. In verse 9, it says, to this point, they had not yet believed They had not yet believed that what Jesus said, that he would rise from the grave, that he would overcome sin and death. They had not believed until this point. But then we're told that Mary stays behind and we're told that she is grieving. She is even wailing bitterly because she has not yet believed and she doesn't know where Jesus body is. And she believes she will never see him dead or alive again. And so she stays and she grieves. Then we are told that Jesus appears to Mary and that she thinks that he is the gardener. Now, how could this be? A couple of things to point out here. First, the last that Mary or anyone else had seen Jesus, his body was disfigured. We are told that he was marred beyond the point of human recognition. 
by the beatings, the flogging, the whipping, the crown of thorns pushed down on his head by the brutal crucifixion. The last they had seen him on the cross, he was disfigured. Now they see him, his body risen from the grave. Secondly, again, they did not expect for him to rise. Mary assumed that his body had been moved. She did not expect to see him again. And yet here he is. And she mistakes him for the gardener. Please look with me at verse 16. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. At this moment, Mary sees him for who he truly is. And what is this moment? It's when Jesus calls her by name. See, Mary knew Jesus, but Jesus also knew Mary because Jesus and Mary have a history. Jesus, at the very beginning of his public ministry, had freed Mary from demonic spirits that were tormenting her, and he had delivered her from those demons. And then we see she's still here with them. She goes with the disciples to the tomb. She continues to follow Jesus, leaving her previous life behind, leaving her family behind, and going to follow Jesus. She knows Jesus, but Jesus also knows Mary and calls her by name. And because of this, she speaks to him and says, my teacher, my teacher, we don't have an intimate relationship with our teachers in our culture, but in this culture, they did. The teacher means that you left everything else, family, profession, past, in order to follow a rabbi, a teacher, and devote your life to them. Wherever they go, you would go to. And Mary calls Jesus my teacher. And then she clings on to Jesus because she is so happy to see him. And he says, do not cling to me, but go and tell the disciples that I have risen from the grave. He sends her with the good news of his resurrection. He sends her with a good word, a benediction, and sends her to tell the disciples the best news that she could ever give them. Jesus, his body has not been taken, but he has risen from the grave. Before we go into the application that we can learn from this summary, I want to take a moment to pause on a point that cannot be lost as we read this scripture. Every commentary I read pointed this out, and I think it's a good moment to take a pause here and look at the beauty of God's word and his plan that he gave this message of the resurrected savior to a woman. This is noteworthy because while Jesus throughout his ministry ministered to and valued women and invited them to follow him in this first century Roman or Jewish culture, a woman's testimony was not valid in court. They were not trusted, but Jesus and the authors of scripture as carried along by the Holy spirit entrusted the message of the resurrected savior to a woman. And I just want to take a moment and say that it is very important that we place the same value on women that the Bible does. Often the way we view women and their role in the church is based on our culture or on our church culture and not on scripture. And it's very important that we do that. Welcome to my TED Talk. Back to the application from today. I thought that was important to point out. 
We put our hope in a lot of things, but many of them we have given up on because they have continued to disappoint. We've put our hope in marriage, finding the right relationship. We have put our hope in having children, thinking they would bring us joy and fulfillment. We've put our hope in getting into the right program, the right school, the right college, the right advanced degree. We have put our hope in drugs and drink and substances in order to numb the pain or bring us euphoria. We have even put our hope in religious things, hoping that they would save us, but each one disappoints. Perhaps you even feel that you have hoped in Jesus in the past and he has disappointed you. You are in good company with Jesus' very family and disciples who were disappointed in what they got from Jesus up until the resurrection. Jesus' life looked like a failure. Jesus' life looked like all promises with no delivery. They were disappointed that they had placed their hope in Jesus. What have you hoped for in this life? What dreams have been crushed? What dreams have come to pass, but you have found them to be disappointing once you receive them? We need something greater to put our hope in, and we find it in the resurrection of Jesus. We will spend the rest of our time this morning answering the question of why and how can the resurrection of Jesus bring hope to our past, future, and our present? Our past, our future, in our present. Jesus' resurrection brings hope for your past. Everything changed for Mary and the other disciples and those who had hoped in Jesus when he rose from the grave. It changed everything they thought about their past. It changed everything they thought about Jesus. It changed everything they thought about life when they saw that Jesus rose from the grave. The disciples had a past, leaving father and mother profession, making waves among their people in order to follow this rabbi into the desert who claimed to be God. Mary had a history. Mary had a history of being tormented by this demonic presence and the things that that demonic presence caused her to do. She was ostracized from her community. Do you have a history? I have a history. We all have a history of suffering, sin, abuse done towards you or abuse that you have given out to others. We all have a history of unfaithfulness to God. Mary had a history, but more importantly, she also had a history with Jesus. The one who had freed her, the one who had delivered her, the one who now calls her by name was redeeming her past. She no longer had to be stuck in that past, wallowing in the shame of her past, wallowing in that hurt, but moving forward, seeing her past differently because of what Christ had done for her. Jesus saw Mary and saw his disciples. He knew them by name. He knew even the intentions of their heart, yet he died for them anyway. Jesus knows your name. Jesus knows what you have done. Jesus knows every intention of your heart, yet he died for you anyway.
if Jesus really rose from the grave, it radically changes our past and we no longer need to wallow in that guilt and shame and hurt. Galatians 5.1, Paul says, we no longer have to go back and put on the yoke of slavery, which sin and religious life brought us. We no longer have to go back to slavery, but we can walk in freedom because of what Christ has done. No matter what past you bring to the table today, allow Christ to redeem that past because of his death, burial, and resurrection. Don't wallow in and in your shame and punish yourself for your past sins. Realize that Christ has been punished on your behalf. He experienced the shame that we deserve so that we could be made free. Because of what Christ has done and the fact of the resurrection, we can have a new future. Mary and the disciples' lives were forever changed for the future because of the resurrected body of Jesus Christ. Peter went from denying Christ to boldly proclaiming his name after the spirit fell at Pentecost. The disciples, Mary, others who had scattered when Jesus had died, now are boldly going out and healing and preaching the good news of the gospel to where the good news of the gospel reached to the very ends of the earth. Because of the fact of the resurrection, their future was now different. Their life was on a new trajectory. And then finally, even in their death, they received what was promised. The glorification of their bodies and being reunited with their savior. And now they are among that great cloud of witnesses that Hebrews tells us about that are watching us, cheering us on. And with the knowledge experientially that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. And one day we will be given a new body. We will rise from the grave and we can be glorified as he is glorified. How about us? What does your future hold? The fact that we have placed our hope in so many things and they have disappointed should tell us that we do not know what the future holds. But we can know the one who holds our future in his hands. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. First Corinthians chapter 15. As you see on the screen there, we'll start in verse 17. Verse 17, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in the, this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Paraphrase, if Christ did not raise from rise from the dead, then you and I are wasting our time. We're wasting our time being here. I'm wasting my voice and my words now. We might as well end right now, go home and not come back and go to brunch next Sunday and write off this whole Jesus thing. We even read here that we are to be pitied among all fool, uh, all people because we're following a lie. We're fools. We've put our hope in someone that is dead, just like so many other humans have done and been disappointed and moved on. 
verse 20. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. The promise of a hope, of a future, of a life. Now and in the life to come because Christ rose from the grave. Our future now is sure because of what Christ did for us in the past. Christ's past has now been credited to us. What he did for us has been credited to us and now our future is new. Our future is now not based on what we have earned, but on what Christ did for us. And his resurrection shows that his payment for your sin, his shame that he took on the cross, everything he did has now been counted for us. And we can have a hope and a future and we can have a new body and we can live with him in glory because of what he has done. From Adam, our ancient ancestor, from our earthly biological parents, we inherited sin and the flesh. But just as sin entered through one man, now resurrection and life and glory and the kingdom of God comes from Jesus. Because of the fact of the resurrection, our future can be changed. How about our present reality? Our present reality. Even if for a moment we can get excited and accept and assent to the fact that we have a future in glory. And even if we believe all things will be redeemed in our past, what about today? Where the rubber really meets the road, where all the things that I have put my hope in have disappointed me and I'm left just with me, or the consequences of my choices and the places that I have put my hope. What about today? Romans 5 verse 5 says, And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. If we put our hope in Christ, we will never be put to shame because he is a sure foundation. He is the one we can build our life on. He is the one we can put all of our hope in. And when we do, he pours love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. He fills us up with everything that we need for today. All the spiritual resources, all the love, all the strength, not of our own, but of his spirit. Because of the resurrection of Christ, God sees us as holy, so his Spirit can dwell within us each day, making us new, helping us right here, right now. Romans 8 verse 11 says, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. The same spirit that raised his body from the grave can now live in you and give you life now in your mortal bodies, this body, this life, these circumstances right here, right now. 
His spirit can pour all of his love, all of his presence into your heart, into your life, and you can move forward and live for a new kingdom and a new king right here, right now. That is where you can place your hope today. Paul goes on in this chapter to talk about three benefits of this spirit that rose Jesus from the grave now living in us. Let's take a look together. Verse 13, for if you lived according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. If the power of the risen savior, if the spirit of the living God lives inside of you, we are continually day by day putting to death the deeds of the flesh. We're putting that old self, that old past, those fleshly tendencies, our fleshly sinful inheritance, we are putting those things to death. We're putting those things aside and we are now walking in the spirit because we have a new master. We have a new king. We don't have to take on that yoke of slavery, that sin and all those things we've placed our hope in. We can set those things aside and put our hope in Christ. We can put to death the things of the flesh. Verse 14, for all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. We can be adopted into his family. Jesus can be our father. Jesus can be our older brother. We can inherit a new life, a new strength, a new power in Jesus. Verse 15, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Because Jesus has called you by name, you can call him Father. You can call him Dad, the most intimate title that you could call someone. There are four kids in this world that have the right to call me Father. It's my four sons. They can call me Father. It would be very strange and out of line for the other kids in this church to call me Father. We, sinful people like you and me, can call the one who made everything Father, Daddy. Because he has called us by name, we can call out to him and say, Daddy, Father. We can have an intimate relationship with him, be adopted into his good family. Because in him, our hope will never be put to shame. Have you called out to him as Father? Today, my prayer is that you would hear him call your name and that you would stop putting your hope in all these other things you have put your hope in, even religious activities and church attendance, and you would put your hope in him, the one who calls you by name. I pray that today is the day that you call him Father and you place all of your hope in him. He will never put you to shame. He may continue to disappoint your expectations of what a God should be. He may continue to tear down all those other things you've put hope in because he wants you to build your life on him and him alone because he's the only one that we can hope in. I have put my hope in so many things in this life. And the common theme is it's the next thing. I keep putting my hope in the next thing 
once I have a car. When I was 16, I thought, once I have a car, I will never be unhappy again. My car broke and the engine caught on fire. And then I put my hope in going to school and then it was finishing school and then it was meeting the right person and getting married. Then it was in having kids and then it was all my kids going off to school so I could have some quiet. Now it's my kids going off to college so I can have even more quiet. Hope in having a full-time job in ministry, hope in planting a church, hope in all of these things. And they all have been so great and God has been so generous to me, but they've all disappointed And the more hope I put in those things to bring me contentment or spiritual power or a sense of love and contentment, the more they disappoint. But the one who has called us by name, when we reach out and grab onto him and call him father, our hope will not be put to shame. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, I pray that they would, there would be someone, someone's, multiple people here this morning that would hear you call their name, would see that you are the one that they can put their hope in. God, thank you that our past can be redeemed and forgiven. We can be freed from the yoke of slavery. Thank you that our future can be guaranteed in you. And thank you that our present life can be different because of what Christ has done for us. Jesus, thank you for the cost that you paid to buy our redemption. Thank you for the punishment that you did not deserve. Thank you for the shame that I deserved. God, thank you for dying the worst of deaths so that I might have life. God, I pray that there would be some here this morning that would take you up on your offer of life and joy and hope here today. God, for those of us that are in Christ, I pray that we would stop putting our hope in all these other things and that we would receive them as good gifts from you, but that we would ultimately put our hope in you, Jesus. I pray that you would continue to speak to us today. I pray that you would continue to pour your love into our hearts so that we can experience all of who you are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.